Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey everybody, welcome to Dank Discussions. Today we're joined by Javier Hasse. Javier is the CEO of El Planteo, Managing Director of Benzinga Cannabis, book author with Entrepreneur Media, and a weed reporter for various publications like Forbes, Playboy, CNBC, CNN, uh, where he's able to cover cannabis, hemp, CBD, psychedelics news, information, and tech with a focus on finance and business. So uh, a lot of stuff going on, man. Thanks for joining us today, Javier. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is this is great, and thanks for the great intro. I'm I'm always you know humbled and a little bit ashamed to hear it. <laughs> like oh, okay. shut up. Listen, I didn't make anything up. You know what I mean? This is like the real reality. You know, so um, I think it's well, how I think crazy it's is it though, right? Like how crazy is that? This is an actual resume. Like this guy, you know, talks weed around the world, travels with all expenses paid, talking about marijuana and and you know makes a living writing about weed and 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 like psychedelics what <laughs> we live in the future man we live in like the best time ever you know it used to be a time where like we have to, we used to have to hide who we are and what we did and um you know that's how it was anyways when i started you know so we 15 16 years ago and uh, now it's like a whole nother world you know what i mean and and now like you said it's not only do you get paid for it and you do great on it but it's it's out there and uh and this is something that's right in front and center in news coverage everywhere and it's something that's long overdue and it's turning a lot of things on its head obviously you know i mean it goes back to obviously social injustice and um and big business and and people uh, you know kind of having their own agendas and that's really what it goes down to in the long run but yeah no it's crazy i i used to always say like this is the greatest time to live in until covid right and now it's like it's a good time to live in. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a first and foremost that, you know, we talk about like going back to normal, right? And I've seen a lot of writings about normal was fucked up in a lot of ways. Like, you know, COVID's doing a lot of great things where like, for instance, if we weren't in our homes, if there weren't things that had kept us, cause we were, you know, for, for better, or for worse, we're so worried about paying bills, worrying about money or about our jobs and then not that we don't have time to really stop and reflect and, and, consider the outrages that have been going on for so long so because of yeah. corona it's kind of opened up that time opened up our brain and uh, allowed us to kind of push forward to society to kind of dismantle or now we're attempting to dismantle a lot of things that have been standing here for yeah. so long. yeah normal that that's crazy that you bring that up because with not with covid but with um you know the the reinvigoration of the black lives matter movement mm -hmm. one thing that i came to realize is how I thought police abuse was normal. Me growing up, you know, in, in, in Latin America, I was on the receiving end of it many, many, many times. Yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've been, you know, at a police has come point a lot more than it should have. And I always thought it was normal. Like, yeah, it's the police, you know, whatever. You just shut up and try and comply and sometimes drive them and you'll be fine. Yeah. And now yeah. it's, it's like, oh, wait, as you said, normal was pretty fucked up. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now you mentioned it real quick, but tell everybody where you're based out of today. So I'm I'm from Argentina. Um, this is where I am today, uh, which is which is pretty interesting, right? Um, I, I for years I didn't tell people uh, in in America I lived in Argentina or was from Argentina. I tried to just avoid the topic because people will be patronizing, like, oh wow, like you, but how, like you work in America now and. Like, how is it possible that you write for these outlets and like, oh, you made it. It's like, so it's, 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 it's crazy. It's no, crazy times and definitely, you know, a blessing to be able to, to work from anywhere, uh, especially yeah. in times like these. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I'm talking to you from Tel Aviv, you're in Argentina <laughs> and our bu business is based in LA. I'm from LA and, you know, we get to go back and forth. And like you said, you get to travel the world. So it really is an amazing time. There's no doubt about it. Now, you know, with Argentina, it's funny that you say, I mean, and everybody, and I also want to talk about the police because, you know, I lived in Mexico City and I've seen firsthand how police handle things. And you talk about bribes and bribes are, yeah. the, the, I mean, we talk about corruption in the United States and the United States is so corrupt. 
they're just better at hiding the corruption, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just an aspect of like, it's, it's yeah, so ingrained. Oh yeah, it's so ingrained into it, into the actual creation of the country and how it's been grown throughout time. You know, the police force work for, not for the people, you know, a certain people, but not for the people in, in that regard. But in, in, you know, you talk about how normal it is to, um, you know, see a gun pointed at you or having a cop coming and, you know, you can just go make them go away with some money. You know what I mean? And, um, and we kind of think that, that like this, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but this is the way that it is, you know what I mean? Regardless yeah. of how it is. So we talk about defunding the police and dismantling systemic racism, but this is something that um, is so apparent in Latin American countries. Right. I mean, it yeah. seems like it's more apparent than, than it may even seem. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's I mean, there's to a certain extent less accountability. Uh, you know, there, there's, you know, fewer mechanisms checking, you know, for checks and balances, actually, mm -hmm. for, for police behavior. There, there isn't, a, you know, I had never seen a policeman wearing like a body cam or, or you know, mm -hmm. heard of a. a a, a phone number I can call to to complain about an abuse. Mm. I mean, I never would have either, right? It's mm. just one of those things. Just, but yeah, it's very apparent. And and uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think if like how overt police violence is in the U.S. And honestly, if, if you're a black or Latino person, it's not like police are trying to hide it either. Mm. It's not like they're not killing people right now while on camera right yeah. it's, you know you think you think that maybe they would be more careful but they only are when when they think the person they're addressing has some power over them no exactly you know you talk about on the body cam you know there's uh audio footage coming out now of elijah mcclain who was, who was killed last year right and they're telling him hey move your body camera because it was in the way of them choking out this kid, you know what I mean? And, um, and so there is like these things put in place and, um, and it's true, right? And you hear it, you hear it from, from that other side, right? Where they say, you think it's so bad, go back to your country, right? Which isn't in and of itself is inherently racist, but they say, go back to your country and deal with those policemen. Go back to your country and deal with those governments, you know, and how, and, and, and in a certain sense, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it is, uh, it's demoralizing the way that, so many Latin American countries are treating the amount of corruption that, that's run rampant. You know, me being from, from Mexico and, and like I said, living there and you see really how, you know, I was lucky enough, grateful enough to be able to go to one of the top schools. We go to the school with, you know, the president's son and the family that owns the, um, the, the petrol company and the company that, and the, this, you know, the family that owns the, the cell phone company. You know, and it's not like yeah. you have these different companies. There's like literally a handful of families and they don't hide it. You know what I mean? So it is like, it's like, okay, damn it. If I do, you know, so I'm supposed to stay there. I'm supposed to go to America where it's more corrupt and it's just kind of like, uh, it's less overt. I don't know. What's, what's kind of your view on that? Like, um, you know. <laughs> it's, it's always tough. I mean, I, I, I'm always kind of, a, you know, maddened when I hear things like, you know, go back to your country if you don't like it. I mean, I understand why people would say that, but, you know, wasn't America, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave and, and all this, like, give us your tired and your, you know, it's like, you, you got to make up your mind. You cannot be brave when it comes to, like, fighting a war but a coward when it comes to how you treat the people who live in your own country, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so, I mean, I, I understand the argument, right? Like from someone who is a, an extreme patriot going like, this is how things are done here. And if you don't like it, you can go. Mm -hmm. Learn to speak yeah. English. I can't just neglect the fact that we're people, yeah. right? It's exactly. It, 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 there's what it, what is implicit there is if you're not from here you're not you don't have the same value as a person mm. and and i've been seeing that a lot in, in in tv recently you know with america first that's one of the things that i've always felt you know just it's weird like a weird thing to say america first and 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 it has been so pervasive right now you know amid covid that many 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 people like millions of people in the u.s have 
decided for the rest of the country that the economy, for instance, is more important than human life or that their personal freedom to decide whether to use or not a mask is, you know, more important than the general well-being of a society. It's like one of those things that's like America first to a point where it's like, yeah, America first, even over human life, even our, you know, over ourselves. With, I don't know, like, I, again, it's, it's one of these dichotomies. I understand putting the collective uh, good or well-being in front of yours. That's great, you know prioritizing collective well-being but you know that's doesn't seem to be the inspiration behind these particular moves in, in society nowadays like just you know the america first that we're hearing right now is more like who cares what happens to people even as yeah. a collective as long as our economy remains unscathed you know it's like it's super scary. It's super scary. And I think it's like not even America first. The thing is, when you think about it, right, Eastern societies are more collective, right? They're more about, um, you know, the better of the people. It's, it's your happiness is driven from different things, right? And traditionally, Western civilization has been more about the individual and the advancement of the individual. And that's what capitalism is, right? It's like by advancing the individual, you are going to um, build a better society because everybody is going to be competing and the best will rise to the top and everybody will, you know, will be able to have a trickle down effect and all these kind of things. Um, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not against capitalism. I'm, you know, pretty staunch capitalism in certain ways, but the problem is, is that now you have, yeah, you, you, people are talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? They say America first, but what they're really saying is me first. Right. What they're me saying first. is we need to open up the economy. What they're really saying is for me, open up my store again. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the whole point, you know, but the whole thing is that there is a collective, right. Where the, the, there is, you know, certain economists who do want it to be open for their own greed. And they, you know, even, you know, middle America works for, for, for global elite and all these kind of things, people who, who uh, you know, so the mom and pop shops are almost workers. You know, for those people, they got to keep it going, you know, to keep the economy going um, because there's a whole other game of play, obviously. But, you know, I guess, you know, one, talk to me. First of all, I want to hear about what happens, what's going on in Argentina in this sense. You know, um, you know, I know that you and, you know, on your Twitter, you something that's pinned up at the top is, um, you know, Argentina says no to gender based violence. And this is something you pinned all the way back in 2016, you know, so this isn't none of this stuff is new stuff. You know, and obviously yeah. it's still recent. This is, you know, this is stuff that's going on before. But also, you it's, know, you mentioned, you mentioned something, you know, about how when people say, oh, you live in Argentina and you look at it as like a negative thing, right? Or, or maybe, I'm not sure, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like, you know, Latin America, you're in South America. But even within South America, I feel like when we hear about Argentina, we're like, oh, dude, Argentina, like they're, they're doing great, right? We're not talking about other countries that maybe there's more racism, right? Even within different um, countries, right? Even, you know, yeah. Certain Asian cultures have racism against each other, and you know, yeah. and I see it. In, you know, as a Latin American myself, right, as a Mexican, you know, hearing about, you know, talking about Bolivia or El Salvador or other countries, and that kind of thing. So to me, I hear Argentina, I think like, dope, that's awesome. You know, like you guys yeah. are like, but it, but it, I, I'm not sure if there's like some sort of under um, undercurrent racism I mean, that's yeah. kind of embedded in me as well with that. I'm not sure. It's interesting because that's exactly the kind of discussion we're having right now. Again, you know, it was kind of, of, of um, amplified by uh, the the current state of affairs in the U.S. Because, well, America has a lot of soft power and sets the agenda for cultural discussion around the world. And we've seen this, right? It's not like racism just started and suddenly, you know, something happened in, in the US and, and we saw more marches around the world than we've ever seen before around this uh -huh. topic simultaneously. But so one of the things that is currently being discussed in Argentina is the fact that we are racist and we thought we weren't, but guess what? We aren't racist because there aren't black people. Like literally less than 1% of the population are black. Like I'm among the darker people in, in the country, which is crazy. And, you know, people like to think that we're not racist. Maybe, maybe we discriminate by like social classes. And if you look poor, the police will harass you. 
But the fact is, we are a racist country that discriminates against Bolivians and Paraguayans and Peruvians and, and talks shit about Chileans and, you know, you know, call all poor people, you know, black in a, you know, in a, in a, you know, what's the opposite of respectful? I'm, I'm trouble. I haven't trouble finding that word. Disrespectful, like, you know, in, in a yeah, like in a, in a, way. Yeah. 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 Like in a demeaning way. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's that black guy this that black guy that and they use it as an insult but because they're not like african black people think like oh this is not racism it's just like discrimination based on my previous experience where people who are poor have robbed me and it's like yeah that's racism yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's not it's it's a whole thing there is and and then there there's another interesting argument that a lot of people make and it's like if most police officers are not rich and they're harassing, they say, you know, quote unquote, not rich people, that cannot be racism. It's still racism, right? It's, it's, it's not like a black person discriminating another black person is not racism, for instance. And this is the same thing. So it's interesting. And, and, and it's something that only now we're starting to realize and, and, it does connect with what you were saying, you know, about this tweet. I have its uh, gender-based violence, and this has been a, a huge discussion in in Argentina and most of Latin America for over five years now, at least. You know, it's just the violence against women. Uh-huh. You know how how it, it's at home, how it's it's on the streets, how uh, women. Uh, die from illegal abortions and, and disproportionate, ridiculous numbers, and how the state and society neglect their well-being completely. Right, and and uh, this is a discussion that we have been having, and I believe we've seen some advancements. Definitely not enough, but I mean, the reason why that one is pinned up there is, you know, I, I speak about cannabis and psychedelics all day that's kind of my job you know but there's certain things i care about i'd say a little bit more even you know i I do care about legalization because people are dying today and they need their medicine today and people are rotting in prison today and they should be freed yeah but also you know the the women around me are being abused and harassed on a daily basis and you know i care about it and i try and, and bring it up and on on you know, in discussions like like these, you know, where people want to talk only cannabis because that's my area of expertise, and what's a you know a a, a straight guy doing talking about feminism, right? Because it's definitely not my purview, but you know, at least some kind of support and, and express that you know you're an ally to this cause and that people should be talking about it. I, I don't want to set the agenda for the tone of the discussion, but just saying here it is. You know, this is a discussion that is being had and that, that need, needs to be held, you know, and, and, and find the right spokespeople for it. <laughs> for sure. There's no doubt about it. And, and I'm so happy to hear that. And I think, like you said, you know, um, dank discussions, we talk about cannabis, we talk about CBD and, you know, hemp, everything, everything under that, you know, but, um, you know, obviously with, with the current of, uh, of, what's going on in the world right now you know we we shift a little bit you know so it's so important i think to to, for people to know that we're allies to know that you're an ally to know that you know this is kind of the thing that that's that you know we may talk about this this may be our job but you know we have like you said we have other beliefs we have things that drive us actually and we see that in the cannabis industry that the cannabis industry is an industry that this is what we're pushing for right we're pushing for legislation in the right direction we're pushing to get people who are who are in, yeah. involved in non-violent cannabis crimes to get out of jail right mm-hmm. these are the things that we're pushing for you know we're pushing for for women's rights for fe- for more females for more people of color in the c-suites yeah. and especially in the cannabis industry there's no doubt about it and we see that completely you know that it's it follows a lot of corporate america that we see a lot of just white dudes you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of being in those positions of power in there. And when you talk about in Argentina that there's people, the conversation is open, right? Um, is it kind of, you know, uh, is it amongst the whole country that's going on? Or is it kind of amongst the young people that people are saying, yo, this is bullshit, dude, like this is kind of what we're raised to yeah. do and kind of, or is it or it's kind of thing? <laughs> it's like you're reading my mind. I was actually going to tie this, like the, the 
prior topic with cannabis mm-hmm. in the industry and how we've seen an evolution in the wrong sense, right? Mm-hmm. Where we had a lot more women in the C-suite and, and we've seen a decrease in that. And there's several theories about it from, you know, just, you know, women founders being bought out by larger corporations, which is great. You know, if you retire a millionaire, it's, it's awesome. If you have a good That's, exit you know, and you would see, you know, and you still get yeah. to be on the board well, and it's what you want. But then there's, there's a, a lot more, you know, a, you know, a myriad other reasons for, for women to yeah. be, you know, being displaced from the C-suite right now. And, you know, those are concerning and problematic need to be addressed. And, you know, as an industry, we try to address them to a certain extent. I mean, some more than others, uh, many just say it and then, you know, don't really do anything about it. Um, but yeah, so like you asked me, like, is, is this a conversation that is being held widely in Argentina? It's, it is because it's being held in the media uh, a lot, you know, and then these demonstrations are used to be right now. There's no actual physical demonstrations, but when they're, are, you know, feasible, they're massive um, and, and they draw attention. However, there's no clear consensus around it, right? Um, the, 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 the more massive demonstrations we've seen around uh, issues related to feminist feminism down here uh, are related to legal abortion, and and this oh. is not people saying you should abort, but people saying illegal abortions are the leading cause of death among pregnant women in this country. Oh. So I mean, if people are doing it and dying, wow. it maybe we should do something to help them not die, right? Wow. And and that's a discussion that is being held in society and in the media consistently. But people don't agree on it, right? Because if not, we'd have legislation. And we voted on it. Like, our Congress voted on it, and everyone was convinced it would pass. Guess what? What you see in the capital cities is not a reflection of the entire country. And you yeah. know this from Mexico. It's kind of the same thing. You have 20 million people living in, in Mexico City. And you think that represents the rest of the country because you've seen it in such large numbers. But it doesn't, uh-huh. right? And, and same here. It's like... Maybe you walk around Buenos Aires, you know, the capital city, and it's like maybe like like the metropolitan area is maybe like 40 or 15 million people. And you see a lot of of, of green handkerchiefs, which represent that you are pro this movement. Um, And, and, you know, you're seeking to advance um, abortion rights. And and yet, you know, you, you walk around and you see it and you're like, oh, so everyone is on board. Well, guess what? The rest of the country is a lot more Catholic, is a lot more conservative, and 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 not necessarily supporting this initi- these initiatives because you know all kinds of arguments are mostly related to God and and morale. Like uh-huh. that should determine whether you live or die. Uh-huh. Wow, I mean that's that's such a disturbing stat that I hadn't heard about about you know the, the amount of women that are dying. From, from abortions and that's a conversation that comes up right you think if you do away with legal abortions that abortions are gonna, not going to be done but it's it's not true you know it's the same thing as you know we talk about when in cannabis with the black market right having the war on drugs first and foremost was uh, you know an attempt to uh, put more black and brown people in jail first and foremost anyways Right. Yeah. Um, you know. that, that was acknowledged by uh, Nixon's right hand, like yeah. in the drugs are in, in, in Harper's magazine several years later. He said we couldn't criminalize being black or Latino. So we just criminalized their practices. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, but, you know, talking about how, um, you know, I don't know, we, we live in a time now, I think we're, it, we do have more awareness about it. Um, you know, at least, but you can't just because you, you make something, you criminalize something and you, 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 um, you know, prosecute people, you put them in jail for whatever else. It's not going to stop the practice, right? You can't, you know, you can't stop a woman from deciding what's right for her body, right? Regardless of what it is. And like you said, there's other factors involved as well, right? And we deal with them in America as well in, in different senses, right? Where we talk about the Catholic, right? Over here, we talk about more the Puritan, who, you know, that, that created over here and, you know, American stuff, but, um, you know, there's so many other factors going on, but you cannot take, you can't make a woman decide how to treat her body. Right. The same token, you know, you can't, um, control what people are going to consume. You know, we talk about now 
you know, I'm so grateful and thank God, you know, for the, um, and, you know, thankful for the people who are on the front lines doing this work for the legislation that's going on, um, you know, and sometimes it's shitty laws that are being passed, shitty bills that are being passed, but we're seeing some progress going on. And then for each state that's going on, we're seeing that they're getting a little better of realizing, okay, this, this is what worked in Colorado, this is what didn't work in Colorado. This is what worked in, in California, this is what didn't work in California. This is even Canada, right? We're seeing that the whole, there's a lot of things, problems that they had there. So maybe we can take some good stuff, some bad stuff, right? But that it's not, you know, at least we're pushing in the right direction, you know, oh, in, yeah, in terms you know, of that. When it comes to, to cannabis, for example, I, I tell people this, you know, I say this a lot. It's like, be mindful of how fast things are advancing because suddenly you go to Canada, you go to California and if you hear people complaining about the quality of the weed or, you know, delivery times or things like, you know, we didn't get it fully right. Like, yeah, you wanted legislation, you wanted it fast, you got it fast, you know, now you got to make it better. Of course, you won't get it right, you know, in the first attempt. This has never been done before, but like, yeah. be mindful. You know, 10 years ago, no one was, was even, you know, fathoming that cannabis would be legal and, and you know, you could walk into a store and, and buy weed and yeah. weed products like drinks and chocolates and like bombs and pop, you know, patches and drops. And like, it's, you know, one of these things where it's, I, I you know, in, in the last maybe two years, we've seen like 80 countries move to legalize cannabis in some way or form. Yeah. Like, when have you seen a, another piece of, of policy advance as fast around the world? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and everyone likes to say, like, you, you, cannabis, things happen so fast. Like, every year is like dog years. I hate that. It's like, yeah, things happen a lot. They mm -hmm. happen fast. Some things can't happen very fast. And when they do, it's great. Like, honestly, I prefer to have a faulty uh, legal cannabis system that can be ameliorated over time that have not like no system whatsoever right and if you're in california you're lucky enough to have one and you're complaining about it think of the people in argentina in bolivia in many european and african and asian countries and like all around the world dying because they, they can't access cannabis or suffering yeah. because they can't access cannabis right yeah yeah, I mean, it's, it is so crazy, you know, in California being, you know, uh, you know, being from there, you know, I remember having to drive up to, uh, to Humboldt, you know, to get a, a quarter pound or a pound. And then, you know, now walking into a store, you know, I remember getting my medical card and walking to a store at the same time. Then we talk about, you know, wow, that's an inconvenience or I'm pissed off that the, that the prices are off. Or I'm pissed off that there's shitty weed going on to come in in here. And I'm pissed off because this and that, whatever else. And at the same time, you know, we're talking about, you know, in Mexico, the cartels who are, who are still running things over there and, you know, and, and how this is, how they're dealing with different uh, stigmas going on, right? Where it's like, we're talking about legalization, you know, and we're talking about war on drugs, but we're talking about people who, you know, the, they, their families have been affected by cartels and controlling whole cities, you know, because of this. Is that something that, you know, I have a little bit, obviously, you know, because me being in Mexico, is that kind of the same kind of things you guys deal with in Argentina? What's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the underground yeah. marijuana, you know, cannabis um, kind of scene and yeah. how, really. what direction is that going in? It's not the same kind of yeah. thing, though. I mean, there, it's, cartels are not a big thing down here. Uh -huh. uh, like it's, it's cartel violence is not a pervasive issue that concerns society. Uh -huh. um, I'm sure there is some, right? Like, and, and, especially in like areas close to certain borders, there is some degree of violence and same for some lower income neighborhoods. Um, but mostly, you know, cannabis is, is not particularly problematic down here. There's a large portion of the cannabis that is consumed here that comes from Paraguay and big bricks. Right? So they get the, full, the whole plant, they make it into a brick, they press it together real hard. And then they make it, they make dogs pee on it so that dogs at the border don't smell it and cross it through the border. That's, you know, crappy yeah. brickweed. Used to be the mo you know, mostly the only thing available. In recent years, we've seen a boom in home growing. So a lot of people growing their own weed and a lot of people are just growing illegally and selling. So like most people I know are, you know, buying from a friendly grower. 
you know, who has some plants in their home. Um, and, and that has meant, you know, the quality is, is, you know, increasing and the offering is too, but, you know, at the end of the day, you get, you know, you get what you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. There, there's a lot of interest around home growing and, and when, whenever I check trends, right, for instance, so one of the, one of the companies I, I manage, I'm CEO for El Planteo, it, it's this company I co-founded and it focuses on in Spanish language news on cannabis, psychedelics, feminism, gender, yeah. all these green issues. Um, and one thing that, that really uh, catches my attention when looking at each country to see, you know, how to best tailor the content to different geographies because it's you know it's a very wide region that just speaks the same language so you have to think of different types of content for different uh, parts of the of the continent um i i i i'm always surprised by the high interest in cannabis there is in argentina compared to all the other regions and yeah um uh, actually last in January of this year, I think like January 2nd or January 1st, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And I was just like looking into some trends, like search trends and stuff like that for a, in a Forbes article I was writing and decided to go for something like, you know, the most shared or popular uh, tweets about cannabis in the last decade and how they evolved and, and how, you know, people started using the word cannabis versus marijuana a lot more. And one of the things that really caught my attention is the only two viral tweets that were in Spanish were from Argentina talking about cannabis. And then there, then there was like one tweet in French and that was it. The rest of the tweets were in English, like the most viral share talked about. Um, so that is interesting. And again, you see a, a clear trend toward understanding marijuana more as cannabis. Uh -huh. um, what, However, there is still not a full understanding that they are the same thing, right? So my parents are both over 70 and they think I work in medical cannabis. And while they now understand that cannabis and marijuana are actually the same thing and weed and pot, it's like just one thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it took a while for them to yeah. understand it and a while for them to accept it, right? Because one thing is to say like my son is a medical cannabis reporter focused in finance yeah and the different thing is saying my son is a weed writer <laughs> yeah exactly right like it's the same though right it's, it's about not finance like and events you know and then talking about you know yeah weed you know or medical. and that's the whole thing is we get into and not even correct myself i was saying you know i was going to say marijuana and then i said cannabis you know so it's something that you know it's it's something that's i you know i have a strong belief in it in myself you know, the reason why we should say cannabis and stuff like that as opposed to marijuana, um, you know, maybe it's not so important to others and, and that's cool, you know, but, um, you know, like you said, a lot of it has to do with stigma and different places have different stigma, you know, America has a certain stigma, you know, because of the black, Let me ask the brown, you, like, why, why do you think, why do you think we should use cannabis? Because I'm torn about it. On the one hand, I think like the rebrand has been successful and it's super mm. useful because it's helped a lot of people accept it. But on the other hand, I'm thinking like, well, if suddenly certain words are taboo, doesn't that like perpetuate the stigma? Like just saying, oh, marijuana, bad words. Like, no, oh, it's marijuana. Sure. Like what for you're sure. using to treat your son who suffers from epilepsy is marijuana, right? And mm. so like, I'm torn. Like, what, what do you think? So there's a few reasons for this, actually. First, first and foremost, you know, marijuana, the origins of the term, you know, they, they are Mexican origins, but then they were kind of hijacked, right? In order to kind of perpetuate a racist uh, connotation associated with it, right? So marijuana, you know, hey, pasa la marijuana. You know, it was something that, that for sure was a, was, was a code word, um, you know, but then at some point it got hijacked. And as you can see, you know, this is the preferred term in American legislation, early laws of prohibition, you know, and a lot of it had to do with, like I said, associating uh, cannabis, yeah. weed, marijuana, bud, pot, whatever the fuck you want to call it, with brown, lazy people and people who want to come yeah. and rape your women and people who want to come and take your jobs and all these kind of things. And then another thing of it is, too, when you see industry-wide, I can pretty much tell pretty quickly from, from an article, from a publication, what side they're on, if they use cannabis or marijuana. 
So they may say, hey, pot laws and marijuana laws, and I can understand, and I can read on, it's not just like an assumption, but I can understand that this person probably isn't so pro-cannabis or legislation, right? They're still using, you know, and when I, when I see articles about cannabis, it, it, and it, like I said, it may be an overgeneralized term, but it's, it's a trend that I've definitely seen um, you yeah. know, across publications where I, where I see pot use. When I hear pot use, I think about pot, yeah. parents saying, you're smoking no pot, one, no one pot legislation. But I still see it in articles. I still see pot use, pot legislation. Yeah. They are legitimately associating pot, you know, cannabis legislation with the negative. They're saying pot, you know, stoner. These kinds of ideas that, associ- that are associated with, with stigma in and of itself, right? And, and a lot of times they're using, when they want to be respectful, they're using marijuana, right? That's when they want to be respectful about it. But pot and marijuana go interchangeable in these articles that I'm seeing, you know? So yeah. when, but when we talk about marijuana, a lot of times we're talking about medical marijuana because this is something that we kind of was early on in the movement, you know, yeah. Uh, more in the 90s of medical marijuana. So that's kind of something that's stuck. So I agree with you. A lot of it's been about rebranding. But the reason why I talk about it is because a lot of the origins and the intentions behind it, but also to destigmatize it, to, t- to try and have a new place in our brain where we have to do a little bit more research. So when I hear cannabis, right? So we're talking about cannabis sativa. We're talking about THC. We're talking about Delta 9. We're talking about these kind of things. Or we're talking about hemp. Right, which also falls under the cannabis kind of umbrella. So in that way, it does become confusing, but at least we're taking it away from this whole stoner pothead culture that is and racist culture that's been prevailing throughout society for the last hundred plus, you know, hundred plus years, kind of thing, at least in America. So that's that's kind of my view point on that. Yeah, no, I get it, and it does make sense. It's just one of these things that again, I just debate myself, you yeah. know, about like what's better to to overcome stigma, just rebrand it and have people forget, you know, their old thoughts or have people really understand um, that they were, you know, that their conceptions were not fully informed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, there's no, there's no real answer. Like probably just rebranding it as cannabis is definitely more immediate and, and helps now. I would definitely love to, to see like two, three years from now, people calling it, you know, marijuana interchangeably and have no problem whatsoever. It's also to, to generate a certain understanding that it's not just medical use that is fine because that's another thing, you know, people exactly. are like, oh, cannabis, yeah, and it's medical, that's oh, fine. Oh, it's great, I've seen, of course, people should be, yeah. And if not, it's not, and it's like, it's a misnomer, like, you know, recreational use, you know, I, I don't have a prescription and, and maybe use it for, you know, insomnia or anxiety or pain, you know, isn't that medical use? Isn't me using it for well-being a part of my wellness, all this, you know, trend now with CBD? I think it is. So it's, I don't know. I I, I really don't know the answer to this. This is why I wanted to hear your... (laughs) No, for sure. There's a lot of things that go into it, right? You talk to somebody, you're exactly right, that says, well, you know, of course, CBD, THC, CBD. You know, or you hear, of course, medical marijuana. You know, I have a lot of friends who use medical, who have, you know, I have a friend who was able to use it during their chemotherapy, but it's still like this kind of thing, right? But at the same time, you know, uh, drinking for, you know, recreational drinking, right? You know, no stigma associated with that, right? So we talk about, you know, and and it's not like it has a bunch of benefits. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you have an endo alcohol alcoholism you know system but we have an endocannabinoid system you know we have a system inside of our body that is that yearns that craves these cannabis that is asking to be fed yeah that that's asking to be fed that we've completely denied you know for for as long as prohibition and now you know we wonder why we have all these kind of ailments and and you know i mean obviously it's it's benefited certain groups and certain industries you know and and completely um, that's kind of the, we talk about legislation and, um, and fighting the legislation. That's kind of been one of the issues that we're fighting, right? Is that, um, you know, the, uh, these industries want to have their, their pie, their, you know, they're part of the pie as well, you know, and they don't want the, they don't want to lose money. Um, you know, whether it be pharmaceutical companies, whether it be textile companies, you know, on the hemp side, 
um, you know, uh, you know, lumber lumber industry, yeah. all these kinds of different industries that are going to be affected, yeah. and that's kind of why it was instituted. They want to make sure that their buddies are in those positions of power um, before kind of we move legislation over. You know, so yeah, I'm I'm surprised honestly uh, with the pace, like the slow pace we've seen so far in terms of big pharma and alcohol and tobacco uh, and and just like all the other industries you mentioned as well, like textiles and stuff like, uh, and energy not getting into the cannabis and hemp space, like, you know, more heavily, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we've seen Constellation invest a little bit in Molson Coors, do like a joint, you know, a joint venture and like Altria invest a little bit, but not in, in the numbers that they use, like they're used to, right? It's mm -hmm. just like, you know, they're like some spare change. They're like spending $5 billion, which to them is nothing going like, yeah, well, whatever, just for safekeeping, you know? But I've always been surprised. I, you know, everyone was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to phrase this correctly. But for instance, when I started, you know, first writing about cannabis stops, like maybe 2014, people, Everyone was telling me like, yeah, like pharma companies are coming like next year. Like we're ready. Like yeah. everyone is. It didn't really happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hey, by the way, you're right. Also, like let let them pay a premium when they want to get in. Let them pay mm -hmm. ten times the prices. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, I I've been surprised, and and it's like you know what? Why aren't they? you know? Is it, it's not like it can stop the movement toward legality and I think they've acknowledged and recognized this. So it's a, a pleasant surprise, I gotta say. No, you're you're so right. And that's such a funny point. You know, I remember, you know, uh talking about this back in 2003, 2002, and you know, hearing rumors, you know, you know, talking about legalization and when when they legalize it, you know, Marlboro's already ready to go with Marlboro Greens and they're gonna have and blah blah blah. And, I still haven't seen Marlboro Greens in this 2020. You know what I mean? Like, if any, yeah. so it's like it, it, you're right. Like, it is funny. You know, it's like it is. You know, it's kind of our own paranoia, and you know, I'm you know, yeah. um, in one sense and another sense of we're also dealing with this is this is the main thing of why they're pushing because there's still the stigma, right? And that's why we talk about there's not enough research. Well, who's funding the research or who's making sure the research is not being funded? And you know, and, and okay, cool. So in schools, they, they rely on, uh, on federal grants, you know, and, and payments yeah. and stuff like this, and it's still not federally legal. Or, you know, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies are the ones that push a lot of research, and they don't want to see that research, so it's suppressed. And then we talk about, okay, well, look at ones in, in Israel, and all those kind of things. Point is, is that you're right. Like, there is a middle ground. Like, you're, you know, you have, a, you have a pulse on the industry as a writer, you know, writing a, about topics on cannabis, hemp, psychedelics around the world that you're able to kind of see a more of the pulse going on right not like hearsay you have to do real journalistic research it's, it's interesting right? though and you know you, you being in Israel, i'm sure you're seeing this a lot of course as well has been a pioneer in, in, in oh, cannabis yeah. you know yeah. cannabis and cannabinoid related research for years in development uh and and interestingly enough some of the very few moves that we've seen uh, from big pharma into cannabis have come out of Israel. I remember, you know, reporting a, a few of these stories, like in Forbes, one of them being like Teva Pharmaceuticals getting into yeah. the industry, but always like very lukewarm moves, right? Like they invest or they agree to distribute a very low dose, you know, a device that provides you with very 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 low doses like micrograms of cannabis and they send you this like little discs like it's not like they're you know getting into a cultivator or development they're just like you know we'll distribute this through our, our channels you know they are very cautious with how they do it like yeah okay so we will incubate this company you know in, in you know in our labs in toronto says johnson and johnson but you know it's not a Johnson and Johnson company. It's all these things just like generally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see most of these moves at least are coming out of Israel because there's been an understanding for a much longer time than most other countries around the world that cannabis has medical potential, even if like, I would say cannabis is medicine, right? But yeah the general understanding among the scientific community there seems to be it has medical potential and there's clinical trials about it and of course you know dr mahulam has been a 
you know, the, the godfather of, of yeah. cannabis since forever. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, you know, it worth noting, right? One of these things, it's, it's um, you know, the U.S. tends to take the leading spot for research and development for many products in different industries. But, you know, so it's interesting to see when, it's another country that excels in a particular arena. In the case of cannabis, it, it's, you know, it's been Canada and Israel and not America. And I'm sure a lot of people are pissed by that, you know. But uh, to me, it's, 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 it's encouraging to see a, a certain diversification of who will reap the profits of this for a change. No, exactly, for sure. And, and now as we speak, you know, there's... Uh you know, legalization being passed with Knesset in, in Israel, you know, which has been waiting for a long time, you know, obviously, like you said, leaders in research, R&D, but in terms of, you know, well, let's get down to brass tacks, you know, what's going on with that, you know, now we're finally moving with that, you know, and um, yeah. you, you mentioned something, you know, with, with El Plantel, you know, El Plantel is really dope, you know, I mean, what you guys are doing there, um, you know, switching gears real quick. And, um, but you know, you, you cover a lot of things, like we're saying, you know, talk about cannabis, talk about CBD, you know, and you're talking about how, how, how it's medicine in general, but something else you're talking about here is uh, psychedelics, right? Which, which is like, we've talked yeah. about it, you know, I've talked to Saul K you know, and they're doing a uh, side tech, you know, like they have Canatech and kind of this. Yeah, Saul was one of the first people who, who told me. Yeah, Saul was actually one of the first people who brought up psychedelics in a conversation, like in an actual, you know, serious conversation. Yeah. And because I remember like the same thing when, when this guy, Ronan Levi, at field trip, you know, they, they told me like psychedelics are the next big thing. And I'm like, you're tripping, dude. Like yeah. they're not. My mom is not going to be microdosing LSD anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't see my mom. I don't see my mom microdosing LSD, but you know, that's 18 months ago, I was telling anyone who was telling me this is going to be the next big industry, like you're out of your mind. And now suddenly they go like, oh, wow, this is an actual thing. Like, you know, and, and the medical community in many senses is a lot more accepting of many of these compounds. I mean, like we're seeing ketamine clinics, you know, pop up all over the world. And, you know, ketamine has been around, you know, and part of the, the, the pharmacopoeia for, for, health professionals since the 70s so it's not mm -hmm. new it's not not like someone came you know and said like this plant like cannabis can heal stuff and mm -hmm. you know doctors had to get used to the idea that it was medicine a lot of these compounds have been developed in labs and in, mm -hmm. in more you know pharma in, in a more pharma fashion yeah so it's interesting the advancement has been much faster suddenly you know over the last few months several companies have gone public several companies have raised tens of millions people like peter thiel you know founder of paypal invested yeah. in psychedelics companies kevin o'leary you know from shark Tank, conservative canadian you know and and he self-defined conservative in you know on the board of, of a cannabis company bruce linton you know migrating from from cannabis to psychedelics and really refocusing his interests you know we, we're seeing a lot of this and i like it i really oh, do i it's not i'm i am not personally a big consumer <laughs> um but this is that that's exactly kind of the point right now it's it's more of unlocking the therapeutic potential exactly. of psychedelics and and anyone who has done done them can can attest to its you know to its properties and, and potential anecdotally like you take some mdma you feel great mm -hmm. <laughs> you know but but all of these products properly dosed and administered in a controlled setting by a trained professional have the potential to to really help you overcome serious uh, mental elements and, 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 and emotional and, and, emotional yeah. you know deep seated traumas like the the um, the research that's been coming out has been incredible with MDMA you know with LSD and this is stuff that isn't so new you know obviously that kind of stuff's been talking about since you know sixties and like I was you know uh, I don't know if we were talking about it on air off air I think it was off air actually we we're talking about how my grandpa was. Uh, you know, one of the original hippies, you know, and uh, my dad would wake up and see, uh, you know, sugar cubes in the, in the, uh, in the fridge. And, you know, my grandpa, you know, that was, you know, all that stuff. And that's when he was growing up. Yeah, those, you know I mean? so, those sugar cubes so, are, are grown up sugar. Yeah, exactly. Those are grown up sugar 
cubes. You know what I mean? Those are uh, those are men first another thing. But that's the whole point, right? And you know, we've talked about here already about you know conservative and how th- this part of the stigma. You know, whether it be Latin America, whether it be uh, America, whether it be you know talking about O'Leary and his conservative beliefs, and you know, and I look at here on Empleo, the first article here is "Hay drogas en la, en la Biblia." You know, are, are there drugs in the Bible? You know, and this is uh, this is written by Double Blind Magazine. You know, shout out to yeah, which is a psychedelics magazine. Ma- Madison Margolin, you know, she's uh, she's a badass yeah. too in the industry. You know, so oh yeah, it's um, so it's uh, you know, this is something that's just that's there. You know, this is something. Yeah. Shout out to Double Blind, by the way. They oh, yeah. they allow it to translate all of their content, and, and and every article they publish is fantastic. The magazine is beautiful. Everything is thoroughly researched, and and you know, all I had to do is ask, like, hey, can we? translate your content we want to amplify the audience and it's like yeah of course dude. like this is awesome like this is all we want like to reach more people yeah. it's not driven by by greed or you know a, a a personal interest this is an altruistic endeavor that they're in you know educating people and, and, the, and the benefits potential and of course perils of, of psychedelics and you know I, that's it a shout out to them you know madison yeah. and shelby they're awesome <laughs> that's dumb yeah, exactly and uh, you know this journal the things that you guys are doing is incredible man um you know and like you said we live in the future we live in the best time you know um want to wrap up pretty soon you know but talk to me about the importance of what you do you know like you said you know i don't think you're like you said i don't think my mom's gonna drop lsd microdose any lsd anytime soon and all this stuff but we're seeing changes what we're talking about here you know we're talking about uh racial inequalities, gender inequalities. We're talking about medicine. We're talking about so many different broad topics that we talk about here and how it's kind of, there's such a movement, you know, and we talk about obviously the overt racism and all this stuff that, you know, but there's something that's really being happening here. Talk about the importance of what you do, not just like the fun shit that you do, you know what I mean? We work in the best industry, bro. You know what I mean? Like this is the best shit to do. There's no doubt about oh. it. You know, but, I mean, it, it's fun. I, it, and we know you just need to be reminded that you also hold a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about this with my girlfriend who serves as um, executive editor, managing, well, executive editor for El Blanteo. Um, and of course, has been involved in, in my many cannabis activities over the years, uh, from Benzinga to High Times to it, like a bunch of stuff we've done together. And we we're talking about this, like, you know, you always have to keep in mind that you have a responsibility and that you're informing people and that you're informing opinions. And, and you know, not to pat my own back, not to overplay the importance or reach of, 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 of a specific story but just like your body of work just start to inform certain uh, opinions and people and uh, i love that and and you know you say the importance i don't know what to think about it but here's something i have found interesting over the, the years and is um for instance the first time i found an article of mine about cannabis on fox business like you know uber conservative media outlet was 2017 and people were like oh but you wanna you like would like you want your name up there it's like well i mean they're picking up my articles and pushing my progressive liberal agenda to their readership <laughs> and you know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if i'm just gonna preach to the choir i'm not gonna change anyone's mind you no know doubt I mean? about it we no need more support not less support it's not like okay so this is our public and we're done like this is yeah. not a political issue cannabis you know it's 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 a, it's a thing about justice and health and, and, you know, both of these can, you know, traverse all party lines. And, you know, even, you know, it's gotten to a point where even like, you know, Tucker Carlson, who sucks, has this media outlet and he shares our content. And people are like, are you not worried? To be I'm associated, like, no, I'm, right? You're worried about like the association. I'm the yeah. yeah. I'm the opposite of worried. I, I really, you know, hope that every Tucker Carlson fan gets to understand why cannabis should not be legal uh-huh. i mean and, and the reason i don't even care why you know maybe because they have a sick grandma maybe because because they want to make money i don't care i want their support i want it legalized because people are dying and you know the fact that they support it because they want to make money or not does not change that fact right so a lot of people were pissed when vicente fox joined the industry or when john boehner joined the industry that was the objective all you know yeah 
no. all the way. You know, that, that's what we've been fighting for for the last like mm. seven decades. Like, hey, mm. we want people to understand this is not an evil plan. And now people mm. who are conservative and opposed to them are getting aboard and people are like, oh, now they get because of the wrong reasons. Like, mm. I really don't care. No, you're so <laughs> right, bro. It's so, so important to look at it that way because I've been guilty of it in the past as well, right? I mean, it, it's such like a self-righteous thing where it's like, um, we were here on the front lines. We were here. Where are these guys? Why weren't they here? And now that there's money, they want to come in. And it could be, listen, people come in and they're like, holy shit, like there's a lot of stuff here going on. People have yeah. closed minds, stigma. If we can open it up in any way, right? If we're not doing that, then we're insulating ourselves. And, you know, we can do a lot of raw, raw stuff and all that, but we're not making a change. To make a change, to create a wave, you have to affect other people who are outside of your circle, you know, and, uh, you know, to, to use a crude term, you know, circle jerking, you know, over here and, and we're all, yeah, yeah, it's all good. But at the end of the day, like you said, if, if, a, if, an, if an outlet is picking up your story that is outside of our demographic, we are also a demographic, you know, we're also... You know, we're, yeah. we're fine for some things. And we talk about, you know, um, you know, other races and other socioeconomic places and, and people who aren't open to us and more conservative. I'm amazed, you know, by the amount of uh, support in the conservative southern states for CBD, you know, yeah. and how that opens up for cannabis because, you know, they've been completely the stigma for, for cannabis, for marijuana, for weed, for pot, yeah. you know, has been so huge. But they're, they are like taking the CBD like nobody else in the country is. Like crazy, you know? yeah. It's crazy to see like that the, the most conservative people you're talking about like, you know, they, 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 these were the ones who were buying so much of this stuff. So, but, that, but that's the whole point of advocacy, right? And, and activism. It's not to get the people who already support you to join you because they're already part of this. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Like, the, the, the whole point is we're lacking enough support to make it, you know, a no-brainer for senators and, 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 and lawmakers, for instance, right? Because that's what they're thinking about, right? Like most lawmakers are not like, you know, acting based on like ethics and what they think is right and wrong. They're acting on, on, on what their constituents will say about it. And, when, you know, it's a cost-benefit analysis, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if that's, you know, the, the process to, to forcing these lawmakers to to move forward i mean it's kind of that you know you you need republican lawmakers yeah, or, yeah. you know or conservative lawmakers in israel for instance and then the knesset to support these initiatives for them to pass you know um, you need a majority how do you build it if not with consensus amazing no you're 100 percent right and i you opened up my eyes, man. You know, you, you open up, if you open up, you know, I, it's, it's great, dude. That's a whole new view. Cause like I said, uh, I've tried to take that view as well. But like I said, there's been certain times where I'm like, oh man, like these guys are just in it to make money. They don't even oh, care. Oh yeah. About I, I think that too. They don't just care to about be the plan. Like yeah. Yeah. Of course. But like you said, it's, you know, maybe it's possible that they could be, you know, open to ideas because they're in the industry and they're looking for money and say, oh shit, actually, you know, in America, money talks. Honestly, yeah, exactly. the day I started quoting, you know, the amount of first it was hundreds of millions, and then billions being invested into cannabis. Uh, the the gains of the stocks, you know, the 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 payouts for people who built successful businesses and and managed to exit. You know, people suddenly were like, "Oh, damn!" It's that that was when I started getting cover stories, not when I was pitching. You know. Charlotte Fiji story and I thought mm. that was like the most heartwarming story ever but you know suddenly all these mainstream media outlets were like oh so you're talking billions yeah that we're interested in it's like perfect yeah, yeah. True. pick your argument I don't care like here's a list of like a hundred arguments to legalize pick your own <laughs> yeah, 100%. that's true that's true that's great man you know and um you know wrapping up here you know i want to ask you you know having your pulse on the industry like you do not just in america argentina around the world you know what do you think is the biggest um kind of obstacle that we face as an industry um you know the biggest challenge that we face oh. as an industry? i mean definitely illegality and just like the lack of like you know global scale lack of commerce i mean this should get to a point where 
I, I'm not saying it's ideal, but this is how our world capitalistic world works. You know, you try and produce like, you know, raw materials in low cost regions and refine them in other regions. It's not ideal. I would love, you know, for Colombia to own the entire, uh, you know, vertically integrated productive chain, but we're not seeing anything similar and we're not seeing you know, anything similar to how the rest of the world works. So, you know, that impacts prices and impacts accessibility and availability. You know, I think it would be ideal if we could ensure that that certain countries can produce, you know, affordable cannabis and then distribute it around the world. And, and I mean, in different states, but make it affordable because, yeah, I mean, definitely I feel like people in California complaining about the price of an ounce of weed Sometimes they're spoiled, but other times it's like, yeah, I mean, I need my medicine. I can't afford it. And it's not like insurance will reimburse it or, or pay for it. So, you know, there needs to be an affordable option for those who need it. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a you know, large obstacle for the d- development of an industry. The fact that we can't commerce freely and there's no clear guidelines to how this looks like. We're starting to see it, of course. We're starting to see... Spain and Germany and Canada and Israel yeah. export or import cannabis yeah. and products derived and dried flowers and oils and you know CBD isolates and distillates, but it's very slow, you know. Yeah. And, and people are still paying like thirty thousand dollars a year for like GWs and Pedalex, which is a yeah. great product. Yeah, but I wish we could make it cheaper or or come up with a generic alternative that's cheaper, which yeah. is, for instance, Brazil is trying to do with its first, you know, approved product. We'll see. We'll see. But I would love to see, you know, an an option where you can get it for $1,200 a year instead of 30,000. Wow. I know that's that. Yeah, exactly. Legalization. And when we talk about legalization, we're talking about, you know, across borders, we talk about already what the nightmare it is with compliance in different regions, you know, within a state, you know, um, (laughs) versus another state. And then we're talking about different countries you know, and, and uh, you know, but we're seeing players coming in, like you said, in, in Europe and, you know, Southeast Asia and in South Africa and, and these different regions. And, you know, I'm going to be talking this week with, the, with somebody from Luxembourg, you know, about the, uh, the process going on over there as well. And that's like the main thing that I think in, it's, it's happening slowly, slowly, slowly. You know, like we're saying, we're having these conversations so long ago and we think it was going to be tomorrow or we thought pharmaceuticals were going to take over within five, you know, within five months or they're ready to go. And we're seeing that things are moving a lot slower than we would want it to be, yeah. but they're moving. And is the yeah, is every single bill that's passed the way we want it to be? The, no. You know, is every single person who's in, who is interested in the industry and who is a leader in the industry, somebody that we think is really loves the industry? Maybe not. But you know what? Things are moving. You know, things are happening and uh, and it's super cool to see you know i mean it's super cool to be a part of um and uh, really love it man really excited man good stuff dude um you know i always ask every guest you know and uh you know love to hear your your answer um you know everybody has a completely different take on it so it's always cool to hear you know how do you define success javier whether professionally personally existentially what does success look like for you honestly um being happy and making as many people around me happy. Uh, of course, I wish I could change the world and make it better for everyone. And I try and I will continue to try. But honestly, to me, success is all the people who, who are around me and in direct contact with me being happy and, and, and seeing their lives made better by my involvement in them. And this is not to feel better about it, but, you know, love drives me. So... <laughs> Success to me is, you know, a, a life filled with love and, and, and joy. That's it. Well, then, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, work brings you uh, fulfillment, you know, having your own company, managing uh, 40 people at Benzinga makes me happy and enjoy yeah. it. And it's fun. But, but you know, success, like the ultimate goal is, is that. And, of course, only professional success enables this many times right Mm. because it's not like you can be relaxed and happy and 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 able to bring joy into other people's lives if you're stressed out all day and and worried about your you know how you're going to make it to the end of the month no for sure that's you know people a lot of people are happy and they don't have that other side of success a lot of people who have that other side of success who 
aren't happy, you know, and they can't, you know, and uh, you have to be able to, like you said, affect other people. And like you said, changing the world, that's something, but you are, man, you know, like you said, you know, being influenced, be able to influence people with your words, with your articles and, uh, you know, shift people's thoughts. It's incredible. You know, I'm telling you, it's an absolute incredible power gift that, that, you, that you're able to live right now. And I know you're a humble dude, you know, at the beginning you of make the me intro. Blush. Yeah, no, you know, I remember, I remember at the beginning with the intro, you were like, oh, man, it makes me feel weird to hear. These are your accomplishments. Like, this is actually you, you know what I mean? Or this is, you know, the uh, whatever is being used, you, you know, your vessel, however you want to look at it. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that Javier is, uh, is doing something special in the world, bro. So I appreciate that. Man, here's to life, you yes. know, love, success, and then, you know, like they say, health and wealthness. That's it. That's it. Health and wealthness. Wellness, health, wellness, wealthness. Is that exactly. And happiness, you know. So cool, man. Uh, well, as we close, how can listeners find out more about you, about what you're doing with Benzinga, find out more about, you know, Planteo, everything that you're doing, yeah. you're writing everywhere. Uh, all different <laughs> publications. I'm a connector. I'm a drop box. You know, just you know, I'm I'm Javier Hase on on every uh, social media platform. You'll see how my name is spelled out in the, in the uh, episode. Uh, you can find El Planteo uh, on social media as well. Follow Benzinga Benzinga.com/cannabis and Benzinga on social media. We put out more than almost like 400 uh, articles in cannabis, hemp, CBD, and psychedelics every month. Um, and, and host amazing, you know, financially focused events for the cannabis industry. So I suggest you check that out and, um, follow us where, you know, we're here to serve. All we want to do is bring the most information to the public with the least bias possible. And then, you know, just present it. It's, it's there. It needs to be reported on. That's what we do. <laughs> amazing, amazing idea, definitely. And uh, all that stuff will be linked here in the description. Um, and, you know, connect with Javier and everything he's doing. It's incredible, dude. Javier, I really appreciate you. Thanks again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope that you enjoyed, got a lot of it. I know I got a lot of it. And I thank you again, Javier, for jumping on today. And uh, good, luck to you. good luck to you in the rest of 2020 and beyond. Thank you. <laughs> hope, uh, I'm happy you could make this happen, man. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptick in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at Calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us today. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calican.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.